Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Sheila Speaks, a podcast designed to educate, empower, uplift, inspire, and impact your life. Boy, I am so, I'm beyond excited today. I'm actually out of my skin. I have not only one of the top entrepreneurs in the country with us, uh, he's also a really dear friend of mine. His name is Charles David Moody. Hello, Moody. How you doing? You know what? You got the perfect name for your show, Sheila Speaks, because when we were in college, you were always talking. So to me, this falls right into what we saw in the, well, I won't tell how how long ago. Sheila came to college when she was 12. Oh, come um, on now, Moody. <laughs> I'm just keeping your age much younger than me. That's so, right. Um, That's right. Yeah, she came to college at 12, folks. She was a brainiac. But she's always ran her mouth. So I think I this is so fitting that she has a podcast doing what? Talking. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I, I do love to talk. And um, I want to share with you, well, you just heard some of Moody. He's just as outspoken as I am. And uh, I'm going to share a little bit about Charles David Moody. And by the way, I call him Moody because that's what we called him at Spellman and Morehouse. That's right. So keep That's, with it. Just call me Moody. Keep, I'm going to keep rolling with that. So um, so first of all, Moody, have you retired? No. I'm okay. in my office right now. Okay, good. That's what I thought, but just wanted to make sure. Well, I'm never so, going to retire because my wife doesn't want me home every day all day, and I don't want to be home every day all day. So I don't blame working. her. I don't blame her. She wants you out of that house at least That's a few right. hours. All right. Well, Charles David Moody Jr. is the president and Chief Executive Officer of C.D. Moody Construction Company. I didn't even know you were born in Chicago. I always thought that you lived in, you were born in Ann Arbor. No, I was born and raised in Chicago until I was 14. Then I moved to Ann Arbor at, uh, when I went to high school. My dad started working for the University of Michigan, but I'm a Chicago boy, born and raised. My mama was born and raised there, went to Phillips High School. So wow. uh, that's when my mother went to high school and I left in high school. So. Uh, got a lot of family still in Chicago. Now, was that on the south side of Chicago? South side, yep. Well, you know, it's right up the street at Gary. Yeah, we used to run yeah. over to Gary. We used to drive through Gary, and, and y'all had the, all them big steel mills. That's when Gary was pumping. That's right. We, we used were to talk about that, that steel, smill, <laughs> steel mill smell when you came through 94, when we'd be going up to Michigan or something. But that's when you knew Gary was really rolling because you could smell the steel mill. That's and right. I remember in the 60s, yeah, uh, my friend's dads, if they had a job in the steel mill, man, they had a great job. That's right. That's right. Great job. They made great living there. Now we need a new industry there. So that's to be created, to be invented. Yep. And um, so Moody also, let me see, where was I? So he finished Morehouse College in 1978. And then he also attended Howard University. Um, let's see. Got my degree in architecture from Howard. Yeah, there we are. Okay. Let, got, why don't I just introduce myself? Make it introduce easy for you. Your, would you just take the mic? Thank you. Folks, how y'all doing? I'm <laughs> going to represent uh, Sheila James right now. <laughs> and my name is Charles David Moody Jr. And I'm a graduate of Morehouse College. I'm a graduate of Howard University. I started my career as an architect with Vector Power Corporation. Mm. And in the nuclear power division and got married, moved to Atlanta and uh, 
started my own business in 87 as an entrepreneur at 88 incorporated CD Moody construction company. And as they say, the rest is history. We built all kind of um, impressive projects. Uh, let me say some of the let me say some of the projects. Go ahead, girl. They worked and included the Olympic Stadium, Morehouse College Leadership Center, the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta, Turner Baseball Field, Phillips Arena, Home Depot, and for Disney, the conversion of a shopping mall into luxury office space. Moody, what had you first of all want to go into business for yourself? And second question, in the area of construction and architects. All right. I always, I grew up in Chicago. And back in the 60s, the guys, the older boys had these little drafting tables. I used to watch them mm -hmm. carry their little drafting table. And they would get on the bus and they were going to Limbloom or CBS, one of the technical high schools. Yeah. And I used to watch them and a couple of them would tell me about the drawings and all that kind of stuff. And I used to play with erector sets and Lego building blocks and that kind of stuff. So I was always kind of into the building and design stuff, mm. but I didn't know what an architect was, never even heard of architect. Right. Until I moved to Ann Arbor and started taking architectural drafting. But what happened was when I went to work for Bechtel as an architect, this is 1981, um, you got to remember this is before personal computers. So we had to draw every day, all day. Wow. We sat at a table and just did drawings. Well, they needed an architect to take, to go out to one of the construction sites on a nuclear power plant. Mm -hmm. And I went out to that site and I saw, I wore my, I had my hard hat on and right. my work boots and stuff. And I was like, this is what I love. Because mm -hmm. I said, I don't want to sit and draw every day. So basically that's what I tell people. There's a difference between quitting and changing direction. You know, as a kid and young adult, I always thought I was going to have, you know, be an architect and design these great buildings. But I realized my strength was in the construction side. So I took the knowledge of construction and, excuse me, I took the knowledge of architecture and took it over into construction. So my dream changed from architecture to construction, but I still work in architecture because we build what architects design. So um, we always have to be careful not allowing ourselves to find our strength. We got to know what we're really good at doing versus what our dream or passion might be. And I always tell folks as an example, you could have a passion for singing, but if you can't sing, <laughs> you know, it might not work out, but you could be a great songwriter, a great producer. I mean, there's so many other pieces to every career. So yeah. you just got to make sure you find out what you could really excel at doing, but also have fun doing. So I, I, I enjoy construction. That is just, you know, I've, I don't think I've ever heard it said that way. That was beautiful. Yeah. You know, as I'm brand, look, I'm listening, like I'm branding myself right now yeah, after no, it is. A job for 12 years yep. and you're right. So there's what you do and you do well, and then there's what you love. And right. it seems like you got a mixture of all of it. Yeah. Cause you really got to be careful. Cause so often, you know, young people will say, Hey, or, you know, I really want to be this, or I want to do that. And then if that's not what their strength is, they'll feel like they quit or they failed mm -hmm. versus I can take that same passion and maybe go into a different part of that career. Like yeah. I went from architecture to construction. So I could have felt like, man, I, I failed if I would have looked at it that way. I just say, hey, this is what I enjoy. This is my strength. And I'm still in the world of architecture. I just don't draw. 
Wow, that's beautiful. Well said too. Well, let's talk just so you're in arch you you're in construction architect, but let's architecture. Go back architecture. Sorry about yep. that. Um, talk a little bit more about the journey of all of that, in particular Morehouse College. How sure. did that experience shape where you are now? Well, first I have to tell how I ended up in Morehouse. Okay. I was on my way to another school. It wasn't historically black and I've been accepted to the architecture school and I was going to play football and some men from Morehouse said, hey, send your football tapes down to Morehouse. Check it out. I said, hey, I'm not going down south. I'm not, you know, <laughs> even though my parents went to historically black colleges and I was just like, I, you know, I'm like, I'm not going down south. This is still 1974. We're only talking six years from when Dr. King got assassinated. Yes. So I went, okay, man, I'll, I'll send my tapes. And they offered me a football scholarship. Mm -hmm. So I flew down in April of 1974, and which is ironic, Hank Aaron had just hit his 715th home run right before. In that month, yeah. Yes, he did it like wow. a week before I came. So my whole look of Atlanta had changed because I was watching him in Michigan each yeah. game trying to see if he was going to break it. So I came down. And the coach did what I think is one of the smartest things a coach could do. He had a player take me to Spelman at lunchtime. <laughs> I saw Spelman College. You were gone. <laughs> I saw my letter of intent right there. I never saw the practice field, equipment, anything. All I saw was Spelman. Then I saw Clark. Then I saw Morris Brown. You got to remember, I'm in Ann Arbor, Michigan by now. Out of class of 660, one but 14 Blacks. And, oh my God! And about six black girls. So when I saw Spellman, man, all those women, man, I was I was done. As they say, my goose was cooked. I was, <laughs> man, my first semester at Morehouse, I had a one point six. I went to football practice to Spellman. Football practice to Spellman. <laughs> Wait a minute, ah, you said where do I sign? But I tell you what, I learned though, <laughs> young ladies from Spellman and the other college campuses. Y'all did y'all homework early. See, I didn't realize that. So y'all sit up talking to us all evening. That's so then right. we go back when curfew came and start <laughs> studying at 11 and sleep by 11.30. So I learned after a while, I said, wait a minute. Oh, boy. Ladies on the AU Center, they study at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. So they'll talk to y'all evening. So I finished on honor roll, though, in the all last right. year. Uh, last two semesters I made the honor roll, but I finally learned study early because the women from Spelman and Clark and Morris Brown study early and they'll sit up all night with you and then you thinking you studying like them. Nah, so I learned my lesson, but Good it was a great you. experience. Great. Wasn't it great? Like yeah. Yeah. So what you guys should know who are listening, uh, Moody and I were at Spelman and Morehouse at the same time. It was Really, like I tell people, and you probably say the same about Morehouse, uh, as Spellman, as a Spellman woman, I walked in as a little girl and I came out a woman full of yep. confidence, attitude, ready to know, the, AU the Center, the Atlanta University Center in the 70s, it was just phenomenal. I mean, both my kids have finished Morehouse and Spellman. Good. Um, you know, my parents were Black college graduates. There is nothing... The experience of the HBCU is just phenomenal. It it's is a phenomenal experience. And I recommend it to as many kids that can do it, do it. 
But in the 70s, it was off the chain. <laughs> well, think... One thing we forgot to mention, and I can't believe we forgot to mention, you were also a member of Q Psy Fighting. Omega Size. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that on still, your LinkedIn, I cracked up. I can still, I can still step too. You can still step. Mm. You put a Tom McDonald on, I'm gone. <laughs> I can still get down. I was an Omega Pearl. That's right. That's right. But I she was, was so quiet, y'all. When we were in school, Sheila was so quiet. I mean, she talked, but she was quiet. She was always Sheila was that person who always was kind of watching behind the scene, watching everything. She was one of them people who watched every little thing. You And you know what? You know what I get paid to do is listen. I was watching yep. and listening. That is, yep. you nailed it. That is yep. it. She was always watching. <laughs> she kind of reminded you that aunt is real nosy. Always watching. They act like they ain't watching. Come on now, come on. This is going to be the best <laughs> podcast ever. Okay. And then the other thing that I was really <clears throat> impressed by that we didn't talk about were all the professional and civic organizations and the things you do for young people and children, your philanthropy and all of that was just uh, tremendous, Moody. And I really wanted to acknowledge you for that. Well, you know, I'm just a firm believer. Um, my wife and I started a foundation, the business only two years old. We hardly had anything, but I said, if we get in the habit of giving when we have nothing, if we make some money, it'll already be a habit. We do it from the heart. Uh, my wife has scholarships endowed, but she mm -hmm. went to nursing school, which was Georgia Perimeter, but now it's Georgia State, Georgia Perimeter. I have endowed scholarships. We have endowed scholarships at Morehouse, Howard, um, Georgia uh, Piedmont College, and Central State, where my parents went, and at, yeah, and at Howard. Congratulations. That's amazing. And then um, I know that you've been very generous in sharing about your childhood. Yes. And that you experienced childhood trauma, childhood abuse. Share yeah, with childhood us. Childhood sexual abuse. Yes. Childhood sex. Share with us whatever you'd like to share with sure, us about sure. that. You know, I'm yeah. very public. I'm very public about that. Uh, yeah. It took me 40 something years to get pup, you know, comfortable. But one of the reasons I speak up about this is because too many people are suffering in silence from different types of childhood trauma. Mine was sexual abuse. And I had a complete nervous breakdown in 1992 when I finally told my wife what happened to me. But my business was only four years old. I couldn't stop working. I couldn't tell anybody. I basically had to heal in private, but I was suffering. Mm. Um, and I got a therapist just to help me understand because I started having panic attacks and anxiety and stuff, PTSD. And recently, I finally went and got a trauma therapist just to help me finally, truly uh, free myself from the effects of it because I always tried to downplay it so I could kind of push through it. But too many people are suffering with anxiety and panic attacks from different things. And, you know, we often look at people who have done something with their lives professionally, and we think life's just been a you know easy journey. But I also say it so those who are suffering in silence know you can overcome this. You can still have an incredible life. You can still have a great family. And I always tell people we all will be knocked to our knees. We all have a story, but we all are so much stronger than we realize. We don't realize our strength mm -hmm. until we have to kind of face certain things and get up. 
And the yeah. other reason I speak up about childhood sexual abuse and the impact of it, too many people who have survived trauma often would use alcohol or drugs to kind of ease that pain, which I understand. I never did. I was, I kept myself super busy. That's what I did, which was my, my addiction, you know, um, but I just want to help people realize what they can do. I have a website called moodyspeaks.com. That's moodyspeaks.com where you can go to it and find resources, hear positive stories, read positive stories from people who have overcome different things and um, just make some things work out and happen. Um, and you just got to keep going and, you know, just don't give up. I mean, hope yeah. is so important. And the other reason I speak up is to give people hope because yeah. I don't care how bad your situation is. If you got hope, just an ounce of hope, you'll keep getting up every day. And um, I'm just trying to help as many people as possible find hope from whatever yeah. trauma, especially for childhood sexual abuse. One in 10 children before the age of 18 will be sexually abused. And we have an estimated 42 million survivors just in the US. So that's why I speak up about it. And um, just wow. hope to free as many people as possible from the past to realize regardless of our past, we can still have an incredible today and even a better tomorrow. Wow, Moody, that is awesome. I mean, God bless you. You're so amazing. Such a Thank big you. person with such a big heart. And with that heart, you know, as young people, older people, entrepreneurs, um, solopreneurs, whoever's listening today, I'd like for you in beginning to close, uh, speak to us about being successful, being an entrepreneur, you know, you know, in your own way. Sure. All right. Yeah. First of all, how I became an entrepreneur was actually what I call by accident. When I say by accident, mm -hmm. my wife and I got married in 1982. And for anybody who's married or been married will appreciate what I'm about to say. We got married in 1982 in Ann Arbor, Michigan. My parents lived two miles to the left and my wife's parents lived two miles to the right. And wow. after about six or eight months of that, I said, we're getting up out of here because it was too much <laughs> advice and whose house were we going to for Christmas? Whose house were we going to for Thanksgiving? It was just pressure, pressure, pressure. And to this day, my adult children would tell you for holidays, we tell them, y'all do whatever you want to do. There's no pressure from us that you got to spend the holidays with us. So we take that pressure because we hated it. Wow. I, I had to eat two Thanksgiving meals. You know, it was just <laughs> pain. But anyway, so after about seven months of that, I said, you know what? You know, we both had great jobs in Ann Arbor, but I found a job in Atlanta with this small construction company. So I got this great plan. My wife had only lived up north. So I said, come on, I'm taking you to Atlanta where I went to school. I got a great job. Two months after I was here, that company goes bankrupt. Now I don't have a job. Wow. Now we're messed up. So now I, I go around, I start working for small contractors and stuff. And the one that kind of made me go for it, I was working for a small contractor who also owned a bail bonding company. Mm. So the bail bonding company was actually, the construction company was in the back of the bail bonding company. So I would be doing estimates or something and it might be somebody handcuffed sitting next to me because they had ran out of space. And I'm like, oh. So what happened one day, I was doing an estimate and they say, hey, Moody, come on, go with us. We need you to go with us. I think we're going to look at a job. Hmm. So we get to this house 
and they gave me this blue windbreak. I said, what's this for? Say, well, man, you know, you play football in college. We found one of our bell jumpers we think is at this house. We want you to take the back door and we got the front and the window. And I'm saying to myself, if he comes out the back door, he's free because I this ain't what I do. You know, this ain't my issue. And um, I went home that evening, told my wife, and we said, you know what? We ain't got nothing to lose. We're broke. And an opportunity came up for a small contract. And we just, as they say, just kind of went for it on the wing of a prayer. Um, we were so broke, we had to go to our little mortgage. We went to our mortgage company, and our payment was only $7.98 a month, but it was a struggle. Uh, we went to our credit card folks, told them what we were doing, and could they reduce our payments? And we told them what we could pay, but we kept our word. And that's why I just uh, wanted to make sure um, we we kept our words. So I always tell people, if you're in financial trouble and you make a deal with your creditors, keep your word. If you keep your word, they'll work with you. And I remember telling my wife, I said, if I can ever get us out of debt, we'll never get back in debt. Mm -hmm. So my wife decided she was going to go back to school because she hadn't finished school. She had been going to college, but she had to pay her way through. So she went back and became a registered nurse. And that was a struggle. I'm trying to build a business raised two little kids, she's going to nursing school. It was just crazy. Um, then in 92, I had a complete breakdown, but I couldn't tell anyone, we kept going. And I'm just a firm believer, God had a plan for me so that yes. later in life, I could share my stories and journey of surviving childhood sexual abuse, dealing with anxiety, panic attacks, to help as many people as possible uh, with my story. Um, but we've been in business, be 33 years uh, in mm. CD Moody Construction in April, April 7th. And the thing I'm most proud about it, I've never missed a payroll. Oh. That means more to me. I mean, we've built great buildings yes. to never miss a payroll. But this is what I tell entrepreneurs. Mm. The day you decide to become an entrepreneur is the day you give up of yourself. You have no more free time not to care. I mean, even though we take great trips or whatever, my mind is always on the business about what can we do better? What's the next contract? How do we fix that? Um, the other thing is we're in the business, we eat what we kill. That means we're constantly on the hunt for new business. Yeah. And when you're constantly in the hunt mode, I mean, you, you got to stay in shape. You got to take care of yourself. Yeah. But it gets, it gets very draining, very tiring. You, you get scared, you get nervous. Because most of us have never been a president of a company, a vice president, any senior spot. I mean, we on a, we we winging it. I mean, I learned my <laughs> first five, six years, even today, excuse me, even today, I'm still learning. But man, that first five years, I had no idea. I knew, I understood construction and stuff, but running a business and all that, man, it was crazy. I'm sure. It's crazy. But, you know, even with all the stress and anxiety of being an entrepreneur, I still would rather be an entrepreneur than not. But it's not made for everybody, and there's nothing wrong if that's not for you. That's great. Well said. And you really, God bless you. God bless uh, your wife, Carla. Give her my love. And my, I final, sure will. my final question to you, Moody, is, uh, first of all, I'm just so moved. I could talk to you all day. Um, but my final question to you is, what is it that you love about your life? And what do you love about where you are now in life? 
Where am I now? What do you love about it? You know what? I tell people the, the beauty of aging uh-huh. is looking back, seeing how much you've come through and what you've done. Mm. I enjoy talking to young people. I mean, trying to inspire them to believe. Um, I think what I try and help people understand now, time is our greatest asset. Yes. I didn't, I didn't value time when I was in my thirties and forties. I thought it was unlimited in reality. Mm. And I also tell people about being present. And what I mean by that, that's one of the tough parts about being an entrepreneur, dealing with anxiety and those kind of things. Often when I, I remember I would be at certain things, I was physically present, yes. but I wasn't mentally present. You know, I was either waiting to find, you know, deal with my anxiety or thinking about that. I tell people now when you with your friends, you know, or a concert or something that means something to you, truly be present and, and, and be there and, and look when you talk to people that you love, you know, truly look them in their eyes and let them look you in their in your eyes and, and truly feel them. So um, to me, I'll be 65 in May. And, you know, I took a three, a seven day rafting trip down the Grand Canyon mm. four years ago. Now it was 2017. Hiked out of the Grand Canyon, seven and a half miles, 4,200 feet up. Uh, I trained for four or five months. I enjoy, um, I feel young again. When I say young, I, I just feel a different kind of energy because I know, as my dad used to say, and I used to laugh at him, he would say, I got more life behind me than I got in front of me. Yeah. And I get that now. So as Mr. Herman Russell used to always tell me, squeeze all that juice out that orange. <laughs> and, you know, and that's what I'm and that's how I look at life. I yeah. want to squeeze all the juice out of it. I don't want to leave nothing, you know, in that orange that I wish I had done or tried. And I and I wrote a book called Fighting Through the Fear, mm. my journey of healing from childhood sexual abuse. You can get it on moodyspeaks.com or Amazon. But one of the greatest things I've learned is how we let fear stop us, especially that imaginary fear. Yeah. Where we're worried about failing or somebody laughing at us so we don't even try. And um, so I always tell people, man, fight through that fear. Fight through that fear that stops you from taking that first step to whatever it is you want to do. It's really great. Beautiful. Because uh, you know y'all sisters, because I was a C student, y'all. Them sisters that spelled me didn't think I was going to do nothing. They was chasing them old, them jokers who was, you know, on the honor roll, Phi Beta Kappas. You know, I was a Q playing on a football team. They weren't paying me no mind. And let me tell you something. Every homecoming I go back to, now they be like, hey, Moody. How you doing, Moody? I'm like, no. Don't come all up on me now. Say too late. Say it's too late. Too so little, too the late. The the story is, don't go to sleep on us, see students. Now we might fool y'all. That's right. Moody, you are the best. I love you so much. Thank you for being on Sheila Speaks. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Peace.